Hey, this is Austin from the Gaming on the Fly podcast, and you're listening to the BS Podcast Network. This is Officer Mo Weekin coming to you straight from Port Fouchon, Louisiana, on the beautiful Gulf of Mexico. You're listening to the Magic Our Way podcast with your hosts, Kevin, Danny, Eli, and the ever so lovely Lee Lastovica. Take it away, guys. Jumbo, everyone. Harambe. And welcome to another edition of the, the Magic, Magic Our Way, Way podcast. podcast. Sante Sun, everyone. You're listening to the Magic Hour podcast from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States of America. We are Artistic Bus talking about dizzy stuff, and this is a show in which every opinion is welcome. MagicRway.com is where you can find us. My name is Kevin. I'm Danny. And on the show, we follow the Disney concept of edutainment, where we focus on your entertainment, and along the way, you just might learn a thing or two. With us today, as always, we have Excelsior! You know, 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 you know. I have the You know, the story's all about the glory. It is our resident comic genius from IvoryComics.com, Mr. Eli Ivory. How you doing, sir? Doing good. It's so nice to be dry and not the rain for a couple of days. How you guys doing? Blame it on the rain. Yeah. I haven't heard that one in a while. I know. Yeah. I saw that video playing for some reason. I guess people are posting rain songs all over the uh, internet. Yeah. I saw that as well. Yes. It's raining men. That was a a popular one, especially on bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. People still party down there, man. People don't care. No, they don't. I mean, shoes are drizzle, man. It's nothing much, but we'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. Sure. Also on the show, we have. Show me the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. It is Mr. Quarterface Rage Ball Lee Lastavica. How you doing, sir? <laughs> Quarterface Rage Ball. Most <laughs> 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 obscure nickname that we have. Let's throw those out there. <laughs> I like it. It was like right to the point. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. It's a little more than a quarter face. I actually got it trimmed this week while I was on vacation. So Yeah, you caused a panic in the Moeka Nation the universe, <laughs> man. They were like, no, don't shave that beard. I think Kirk was about to have palpitations of the heart. What? He said, what did Kirk say? We need an adult. We need an adult. Yes, we need an adult. <laughs> <laughs> the adult would have been like, yeah, cut that. Cut yeah. that. So how much did you tip the guy that had to trim your nasty beard? <laughs> That's his job. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> get out of this, boy. I'm sure that uh, guy got into uh, hairstyling school just because <laughs> one day he could trim a beard that magnificent. One day with your beard. Did he boost it or something? Or? Yeah, what did he do? What was the process? Natural juices and berries? Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Put that ultra perb on it. Well, a couple things. Like, uh, the first thing that happened was I had a little barbecue accident this weekend and I got the beard singed. <laughs> When I was starting the fire for the barbecue, so oh, wow. that threw, that threw the beard off. It was like lopsided now, 
So I had to go and <laughs> do you mind backing up for a second? So he had, he had a face of burnt ends. <laughs> well, you know when he said uh, 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 a barbecue accident. a barbecue accident, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, well, of course, with a beard that long, there's going to be sauce yeah, and, sauce and stuff. No. bones stuck in there or something. But I I, I didn't think you would have burnt. Yeah, wow. Like you flipped a burger and the grease shot in there, the flame shot out, and caught a piece of your beard. No, I mean, I'd actually, like, singed, I singed it on the fire when I was starting the fire for the barbecue. It was real high and just went up and touched my beard. And I'm like, ah! Oh, shit. That's all right. Roll me around. Roll me around. You'll be all right. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a sitcom. You know, Damn. His beard is an important part of the show. Can we get it insured? <laughs> <laughs> we need, yeah, we need research some insurance. Beard things. insurance. Anybody knows anything that does beard insurance. You know, singers have their, their Reach out to Yeah, their voices. voices. Yeah, yeah. models have their hands. We got to mm-hmm. insure that beard now. Greatly. <laughs> so anyway, so this wow. is the, I need to get going and get it cleaned up a little bit and that kind of stuff. So yeah, so your beard is tight. Fun. It's tight now. It's nice and clean. Well, your beard kind of saved you, right? I mean, I didn't see the accident. I'm glad you're okay. Oh, I'm sure. He, like he had a nice smoky uh, aroma <laughs> about <laughs> him. Like he, he was probably like, I- I'm not wearing cologne today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that smells good. Yeah, that's grilled for men, baby. <laughs> Did a lumberjack just walk in here? <laughs> it's like burnt Spanish moss. There's a fireman over here at your house now. <laughs> but all is good, all is well that ends well. Well, I am glad that in this week of peril, the only thing that got hurt was Lee's beard. That's, that's right. right. Mm. That's yeah. right. Well, Holmes survived, and the beard is, is going to be okay. It's got a, a little bit of recovery to do, but it'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> yep. And just to let the listeners know, of course, you, uh, if you're aware, we are based out of New Orleans, and uh, we had uh, Tropical Storm Barry, or Tropical Storm Barely, <laughs> as some people have joked around, um, uh, come down and uh, visit our state. But um, as you can tell, we're, we're fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, the rain that we're experiencing right now is basically like a light show- summer shower in the Magic Kingdom. Don't believe the hype. Contra weather. Yeah. Don't believe the hype. Um, the places that flooded are normally uh, places that originally flooded, and that's an issue that people recognize. Um, the people got rescued off the house. I have no idea why they were on the island still. <laughs> wow. <laughs> why they didn't get out. That's, uh, you know, I mean, they should know better <laughs> living down here. Yeah, just know that for every story that you clicked on that said New Orleans in peril, f- mass flooding, all that kind of stuff, and they had a picture of a flooded out area, it was nowhere near New Orleans. <laughs> that's right. <No. laughs> Dogs and cats were not living together. No. And in fact, they were all on Bourbon Street partying up a good time. Hashtag fake news. That's right. So, yeah, the Magic Hour Podcast, the Fat City Studios, everything is fine down here. But thank you to everyone who reached out to us. A lot of listeners reached out to us personally via text, over mm-hmm. Facebook, whatnot. And we appreciate all the concern. Yeah. yeah thank I you. Was- that was awesome. Uh, I only wish that there was real concern. I mean, I only wish that we were going through something to merit all this. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Somebody reached out to me and it was like, oh my God, are you guys all right? And I'm like, yeah, we got reservations at Ruth's Chris. What? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing okay. <laughs> so yeah, we, we were doing good. I yeah. mean, like what? That Wednesday when we had the rain before the storm, that was kind of... That, that storm was, that was, was crazy. more manly than Barry. That was tough. That was not fun to drive through. Yeah, uh, that was like a three-hour period where all of a sudden we got just got a mountain of rain. The deluge. Yeah. yeah. As it were. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, there was actually a part where I drove my truck. And I actually heard my truck at one point go, I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're going to get out of this area really quick. So I feel for people that had their car flooded in like or yeah, stalled. No, okay. I feel yeah, for that. Yeah, there's a lot of that on the side of the road. Well, anyway, guys, we got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about Disney's On the Record. 
Uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, this is the long-lost musical review that Disney Theatrical tried to do, and we'll explore what that is exactly and give you more insight. Plus, we got a couple of news stories that we're going to discuss, so enough of our jibber-jabber. Let's go make some magic. So this week, the opening dates for Rise of the Resistance were announced. That's Galaxy's Edge's uh, signature attraction. And it's going to occur on December 5th of 2019 at Hollywood Studios. That's when we'll finally be able to get to experience it there. Uh, in Disneyland, a little bit later, uh, Rise of the Resistance will be opening on January 17th, 2020. So this is a little later, I think, than we were all expecting the signature attraction for this land to be opened. And so with that, I wanted to pose the question to all of us. Has Disney mishandled the opening of Galaxy's Edge? Hmm. Mishandled is an interesting word. I, I don't think it went according to plan. Is Would what you say I, misjudged then? <laughs> Yeah, misinterpreted. I don't, I don't think it went a, like they thought it was going to. Yeah, December twenty nineteen. That's what we all expected. Uh, at least you know the people that were getting information from Disney directly. Everything was said winter of two thousand nineteen, late winter, winter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What was surprising is when they decided to go ahead and open without this attraction in August. Um, so that to me was the first sign that something was not quite right. <laughs> Uh, I felt like that meant maybe they weren't, did, weren't confident they could get it open by winter 2019, um, or it also meant that their sales were suffering so bad from people waiting for uh, winter of 2019 that uh, they did, had to make a move, so to speak. Uh, so I think that was what started it all. And now that we've got the dates, again, December, that, that to me is expected. But January, hmm, that's a little interesting too. It, to me, why, did, why are we opening up the land itself earlier in Disneyland, but the main attraction later, and then in Disney World, we're opening it up, the land later, but opening up the main attraction earlier. So you it's seem just, to be suggesting that, that that they have mishandled it. Yes, definitely. I don't know about okay. mishandled, but they definitely didn't. They had to scramble, I feel like, to to make things happen. Okay. Well, you've done a great job of not answering the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like some of the facts that were going up in there. The semantics. So yes yes or no, I would say yes. Yes. Yes or no, I would say yes. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, unless they're waiting to see when the next, uh, when the Rise of Skywalker comes out, and and they were like, hey, maybe we could have done a little synergy with that and kind of like piggybacking off with Lisa, they just kind of fumbled it a little bit. I think since that's the main attraction, I think that could have been handled a little bit better uh, with a little more hype, but... Uh, mishandled. It's kind of hard to kind of hard to call that because the dates are the dates like concrete now or are they tentative? No, they're, they're concrete. Announced. Yeah. They're yeah. announced, yeah. but um, there again, I mean, we've had things announced before, right? That did not come to be. It's all like so concept art stuff. If, That's, if there, I I think that we can count on this, but if some hiccup were to occur. With the technology of the ride, because apparently that's what the problem is now. Okay. Um, is that there's been issues with the operations mm-hmm. side of things. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. Where Disney decided, okay, well, we're not going to meet that date for that ride, but we'll just open it. One attraction and a couple of shopping and dining experiences. Well, the secret to 
fixing that solution is reboot the computer. That always helps. <laughs> turn it, it off and turn it back turn on. It off, turn it back on. Yeah. <laughs> Control, delete. Mm-hmm. yeah, get that Windows update in there. Yeah, get that going. Right. Yes. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, just you know, take out the cartridge and you blow in it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> take out the cable, plug yes. it back in, give it a smack like an old CRT TV. Foolproof. Exactly. Uh, Kevin. Yes. I, I, I think yes. I think they have mishandled it, uh, especially since Rise of the Resistance is their main attraction um, that was supposed to headline this particular land. You know, now I, I can understand, you know, because they've done this in years past with other lands that they've opened, where you know you have some other attractions open, uh, and then you slowly bring some other ones along online. They did that when Future World opened up. You know, not everything was open when well, Epcot Center first opened. Uh, they did that with the stuff, the Hollywood Studios, so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, this is an attraction, a land, actually. This is a land with only two attractions. Right. I think the fan base would have forgiven them if they had pushed back the opening of the entire land completely. Sure. I think if they opened it, uh, pushed it back and opened it with everything, with both attractions going, I think that would have been an even bigger impact mm-hmm. than I think what they're seeing now. Yeah, I... I I think I think they they definitely mishandled it. I agree. I'm glad that you uh, answered the question first before <laughs> you know going into your explanation of it as opposed to the other two. I thought I answered it. You you kind of explained a lot before you got to answering it. But yeah, no, I kind of agree with you, uh, all three of you actually, because just because one basic thing makes me think that they really mishandled that, and that was because we weren't told until March seventh of 2019 that we weren't getting the full experience up until now they had released concept art they all we gotten details about the attraction we knew there was coming out we didn't may not have had the exact date but we knew somewhere before summer it was going to be opening in disneyland and even bob Iger said when he announced it in in march 7th of 2019 he said that rise of the resistance okay it's not going to open with galaxy's edge but it's going to open later this year well it's not it's not going to open until january of 2020 Mm -hmm. so that's not going to happen so by that measure i think yeah i think he did botch it i think they created expectations in the eyes of the public and people were trying to book around this time period so they can go see it and to find out less than three months before the opening of when that was going to happen that you were only going to get half a park I think it's kind of been uh, mismanaged to a degree. And then to find out now that you're going to have to wait until well into 2020 to, to be able to experience both things. I mean, if I'm, if, if I'm uh, a Disneyland park goer and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I can just push off my vacation by a, a, you know, a couple of months. Now it's like, well, screw it. I'm not going to bother going until the beginning of 2020. So I do think that they've mismanaged this quite a bit, unfortunately. And maybe that was the result of them trying to get us hyped up about the project but the problem comes when you raise all of our expectations right and you know Uh, lee Lee and i were talking about this on the show not too long ago it was one of my favorite discussions when lee was kind of pointing out that no one was booking and this was before we knew about the attendance problems for galaxy's edge uh, specifically related because i mean if you're going to open one attraction first it, it should have been Rise of the Resistance. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we had talked about this before, and Lee was saying that he wasn't seeing people booking. And we were worried about this being a problem, and now you're kind of seeing that unfold. So this isn't something that we were second-guessing or reacting to. We were talking about this before it ever happened. I mean, and another 
point to add it with the mismanagement thing is like you said uh when they started to do previews and everything of galaxy's edge i mean they pushed the interactive experience that you would have you know in the hotels yeah. and just what the how immersive the world is supposed to be mm-hmm. but this is the main hook i mean this is like uh like when they did pandora and then like you know you were like okay this would be cool like all right yeah great floating mountains and everything but if you don't have like the main ride that's supposed to hook everybody in first, yeah, you probably shouldn't be uh, putting the hype on the whole land in general. So, and then Kevin, I think you said something where it was like, well, the fans will forgive them. I think the fans will just take it. I don't think they'll be like, oh, okay, cool, we we'll let that go because like we really don't have a choice, right? And you know? and, and and I was gonna. Uh, say further with that, you know, even if they push it back, and there's always going to be somebody butthurt about whatever Dizzy does. Yes. That's just what happens. But Hurt I mean, like you said, bad. yeah, you're, we're going to take it because that's what we understand. Um, my thing about it is, is, you know, Star Wars is probably one of the biggest franchises around in mm-hmm. history, you know? Um, it, we can we can safely say that, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I think it should have a, a, a bigger impact on this land's opening than what I feel like it has. Yes. You know? Maybe my thoughts will change uh, once I go visit it. But as far as right now, the buzz that I'm hearing is a mixed bag. Yeah. You know, this. I mean, this is Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> you know, for goodness sake. This should be, I mean, this should be a lot bigger than when Universal opened Harry Potter's Wizarding World um, in their Florida parks, which had a really big buzz. And they had their main attraction open. Well, it should have. <laughs> yes, it should have. But I believe once they made creative decisions that it already kind of handcuffed them to begin with mm-hmm. one was the new movies not really taking off in the way that they should right uh that last movie kind of left a lot of people disappointed but the second creative decision that they made was well this area that you're going to visit this galaxy's edge is it's going to be an entirely new land it's not going to be anything you've ever experienced before well, that was the draw of Harry Potter was come explore Hogwarts Castle. Mm-hmm. Come have butterbeer. Come, you know. Get your pumpkin juice. Get exa- a wand. Right. Whatever, yes. I don't think there's that kind of buzz for trying green and blue milk. <laughs> that, I don't know if that is so. No, it is not. <laughs> I don't think that there's that kind of buzz for visiting a land that you've never heard referenced before. Uh, so you kind of have to trust. That they're going to get now, you'll be able to step on the Millennium Falcon, and that is going to be familiar. So, that is kind of cool. But at the same time, it's like really another screen based motion simulator attraction. I'm kind of over that. Yeah. Yeah. I I really want to see you step it up. And that's kind of what we've been talking about from the get go. I've never been a fan. I mean, I've heard a mixed bag of reviews on that. Where mm-hmm. some people are like, it's amazing, it's wonderful, and other people pretty much said it's Star Tours with buttons. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, oh, wow. And a lot of your experience is based upon the, whatever the pilot does, and the pilot does nothing, you're screwed. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he can wreck your whole experience, and then you're not even watching what's happening because you're spending time looking at a switchboard, trying to hit the button that's flashing as it's flashing, so... It, it, I can see where some people are saying, yeah, it'll, it'll take you out of, the, out of the elements a little bit. So I, I don't know. I've heard the queue being ex- uh, described as the best part of the attraction. So that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. It really isn't a good sign. Plus, they've kind of bastardized the whole lore of the Millennium Falcon by killing off Han Solo. Now it's not Han's ship anymore. Now it's Hondo's. 
Who gives right. a about Hondo? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, no, I, I think they've they've absolutely botched it. Having said that, I don't think that they've uh, done it to the level where they can't get anything back. I mean, mm-hmm. look, hardcore fans are going to line up no matter what. Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing. We don't have a choice, right? And, and Disneyland is not the park to judge it off of because it is mostly a locals' park. And when the locals are all blacked out on their dates or their annual passes, you know, it's it's going to be tougher. Walt Disney World, I mean, they're only going to be waiting, what, it's going to be opening in August, and then it, by December we'll have it. End of August. So you might End of August. Just yeah. There you go. So September, it'll be open by December. It's not going to be that, that bad. So if they mishandled it to an extent, yes. But for Walt Disney World, it's fine. For Disneyland, I think that's where you really see the, the uh, severe lack of forethought. It, it makes sense, I guess, now that Disneyland would have been the guinea pig. And make sure you get it right for Disney World. If you have that much confidence in your product, you should be like, everybody gets it today. You know, everybody rides it. No matter what park you're at, you're getting it. Well, but you can't have them installing it at one park at the same time. Like The people who are installing it, I mean, this is a brand new attraction. Mm. And the people who are testing out this technology and trying it out, they're going to want to be on site as this is getting implemented. So I could see why they wouldn't do it at the exact same time. Having said that, yes, you're making the people in Disneyland wait nine months right, for the signature attraction to that park. I mean, basically what we're talking about here is not even just that attraction being missing, but the whole interactive element that you heard that you were, you were going to be living your story, walking through these parks, interacting with these creatures who are like, hey, you know, you wrecked my cargo when you flew the Millennium Falcon and now you owe me. And it was almost going to be like a role-playing type of environment that that's what they built this thing up as and what when they open it you get none of that you don't get rise of the resistance i mean i can see where there's some disappointment you get rise of cost you get that yes (laughs) well that's a given yeah (laughs) of course and just an additional thing i you know i've I've, I've watched this on the boards and you know i saw a comment that said you know i'm so tired of people bashing galaxy's edge you know so many people work so hard on this project and da 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 I'm like, that's great, man. So many people worked on that meal you had the other day at that restaurant. <laughs> but we're not blaming them. That meal. <laughs> you, know, you know, we're not blaming them. We're, we're blaming the people that made the decisions to do what they did. Because basically there was no, I don't think there's any transparency as to why they made those decisions. To no. Do it like that. You know, and so yeah. therefore we don't understand. And so therefore we have to speculate. And they didn't have to announce this stuff. I mean, they wouldn't have created expectations unless they announced something. Unless right. they said this was coming. And this is what the experience is going to be. Only to pivot and say, the experience is going to be half of what you expected and really not even much of the yeah. main core of what you wanted. Exactly. So now right. it's more of a stripped down version of it. And so if you're coming, well, plan to rebook again come the following year. I mean, yeah. like, like I said, I mean, the biggest sin was Bob Iger saying, it'll be, look, don't worry, it's going to open like this, but then Rise of the Resistance will open later on that year. And that's not going to happen. To me, this is the, the, the way that it affected so many people was just through their reservations. There are people that wanted to wait to see it. Mm-hmm. There's people that didn't want to be messing with all that madness that booked their trips according to that information, me being one of them. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't have to be there for the grand opening with 5 million people to enjoy it. You know, I don't have a problem going three or four months later once they've worked out the kinks. But instead, you know, it got literally dropped in my lap for Labor Day weekend for this, you know, this half opening. 
Um, and again, there's people that were waiting till December or, you know, waiting for some kind of announcements to book. And now they're like, oh, well, now I got to go during one of the other busiest times of the year, December. So it's like, you're just, you're screwed either way. If you wanted to go, you don't know when you want to go. And if you want to avoid it, well, you just, you can't avoid it now. You know, the, the, and this is a place that tells you that, that makes you want to book your reservation six to nine months out. How can you plan around it? That's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. You want to go ahead and, and again, they, now they did this all in Disneyland where you don't need that level of planning. Disneyland was a guinea pig. So they chose right. I, I'll give them that. They made Disneyland the guinea pig and really Disney World is not. But we've gotten the announcement and people who are booking to go to Disney World, there's not going to be that much disappointment. The only people that are going to suffer here are the people in California. And those people who are such avid Star Wars fans that they were making plans to come from all over the globe to be there for when it opened in California. But for Disney World, you know when it's going to open. You know what it's going to open with. You know, wait three months to go ahead and do it if you need the full experience. So I don't, again, I don't want to overblow it like they really screwed the pooch here. It's it's more the to the effect that they've kind of botched the handling of... Of Disneyland's more of so? Disneyland's okay. version of it, yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that, absolutely. The problem, though, is now is that you're getting uh, negative publicity. <laughs> right. A new big attraction that's supposed to be pulling them into Disney World. Now, granted, again, Disney World, completely different beast from Disneyland. But there is a buzz out there about Smuggler's Run. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see necessarily the crowds that you would hope to between August and December. Which is notoriously a slow time for them anyway, so maybe right. that's part of the decision-making uh, there is to go ahead and have that open during a time where people really aren't going anyway and then kind of step it up for Christmas and then have the whole thing open at once. But yes, the reputation hit that it's taking amongst the fan community is right now there's no reason to book a trip. There's no reason to book a trip until December at the earliest to go to Disney World, January at the at the earliest to go to Disneyland. So do you think the best play to have done in hindsight would have been to say, hey, look, we got Smuggler's Run. You're going to love this. You get to do all this stuff and hit buttons and then keep Rise of the Resistance a secret until they have everything kind of set up. Like, not even let us know as fans that this was coming. I agree. Yes. I that, would say that. Yeah, they've used that tactic before for sure. Keep it mysterious. Hint to what's out there. But, I mean, they were giving us concept art. We had break. I mean, we were discussing, like, we you know, we pretty much laid out what everything was going to be. The stories of the ride, the breakdowns of the backstories behind the snacking cart areas. Mm-hmm, yeah. We mm-hmm. had full-blown stories on everything. We did three shows in a day. Exactly. exactly. So, I mean, we had so much information out there that we were just gobbling up, and it was just helping to ramp us up, get us excited, and it's like, ugh, you mean I gotta wait another six to eight months to experience this? I, I, yeah. Well, maybe I don't want to. So, listeners, I'm curious to know what your answer is to the question: Did Disney mishandle the opening of Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge? Let us know. Show at magicarway.com. All right, today on the hub. I would like to discuss one of my favorite subjects, and that is music. More specifically, I want to discuss Disney Theatrical's production on the record. Y'all ever heard of that? 
Yes. You have? Really? No. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> That's why you're the co-host. <laughs> I was like, what? Because <laughs> oh, on the record, gosh. I have never heard of off the record. When you said we were discussing, I was like, is this some TMZ show? Mm. or what No, is this? this is real, man. Uh, uh, I'm going to discuss this more in a little bit, in, in more in depth, because it's a definitely an interesting little story. Uh, but for those that are new to this podcast, I'm going to give you a little background on how I discovered this musical review, as it were. In addition to being a podcaster and an educator, I am also a very active professional musician in the New Orleans metropolitan area. Uh, most of my work comes in the form of musical theater productions on local, regional, and sometimes national levels. Uh, my performing credits include a lot of Broadway national tours that come through the Big Easy. Disney-related, I have been fortunate enough to have been able to perform with theater productions of Beauty and the Beast, Tarzan, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Little Mermaid, Newsies, and Mary Poppins. These Disney theatrical productions were all very fun to play, not only because I'm a huge Disney file, but because the a music... A huge Disney what? File. Disney file. File. Disney oh. file. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you been registered yet? No, not yet. <laughs> I, I, I go to my application tomorrow. All right. <laughs> Going door to door. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm a Disney file. Yes. Well, I'll let you know I live down the street from you. Yes, yes. Anyway, I was playing a gig with my friend Kevin. You know, Kevin of the five, Free the Three lore. Yes. Uh, for those who listened to the show for a while. Yeah. He, he brought to my attention this Disney musical called On the Record. And I was like, what? On the Record? What is that? And he then proceeded to tell me a much shorter version of the story than what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> of course, my curiosity was piqued, and I had to do more research on this and learn more about it. I would like to begin with a little background on the world of Disney theatrical, because this is something that doesn't come up as often on most Disney fan podcasts. Perhaps I can do a whole show about Disney theatrical sometime in the future. But anyway, back before Walt Disney Company was turning their beloved animated movies to live action movies, the company was creating a real live action version of the movies on the Broadway stage. The Disney Theatrical Group is the stage play and musical production arm of the Walt Disney Company. It was founded in 1993 by Disney Entertainment veteran and Disney legend Ron Logan. Uh, just for your information, Ron Logan has a bachelor's and master's in music and music education. Outside of the Disney universe, I am familiar with Ron Logan's name as one of the founding members of the International Association of Jazz Educators. Good for him. Yeah. Anyway, back to this. Um, Disney Theatrical's first Broadway musical stage production was Beauty and the Beast, which opened on April 19th, 1994. Mm -hmm. And this is based on a 1991 animated movie from the Disney decade. And in case you're wondering, Beauty and the Beast, live on stage at Disney's Hollywood Studios, preceded the Broadway production by three years. The theme park version opened on November 22nd, 1991, to coincide with the release of the animated feature-length movie that same day. And as you can surmise, the original animated movie and the theme park show opened over Thanksgiving weekend in uh, 1991. Well, Keith would have been there. Keith would have been there. He might, he might have been there. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward today, you can see the following Disney theatrical productions on stage. The Lion King, Aladdin, and Frozen. Also, in conjunction with Feld Entertainment, Disney Theatrical also brings you Disney on Ice, and Marvel Universe Live. So there's a good chance that you've been witness to one of the Disney Theatricals offerings. Somewhere in the history of Disney Theatricals, a production didn't quite get the acclaim its producers hoped it would. On the Record is a jukebox musical that was designed to be toured around the country bringing live performances of Disney music to a town near you. Jukebox musical? That's right. So you might be thinking, what is a jukebox musical? That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> it's like a jukebox hero, but a little bit different. <laughs> jukebox hero. 
it's like a weekly top 40 kind of you're, you're kind of right uh, there's many definitions out there of a jukebox musical and uh, you know i'll let the listeners uh, make up their own kind of definition but basically it, it's like this i mean i say that because everybody has opinions of what a jukebox musical is but i'm going to present to you the definition of a jukebox musical from Playbill's website, and if you're familiar with the term Playbill, they're the ones that make all the programs for the Broadway right. shows that they hand you when you go into the theaters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But oh, they define okay. it as this. Jukebox musicals are shows that feature pre-existing scores by some of music's greatest icons, whether the story is built around the music like Mamma Mia or uses the songs to tell the story of the artist as an on your feet or beautiful. Like Jersey Boys? Kind of like Jersey Boys, yeah. And there's some people that say that wouldn't be a jukebox musical because it helps tell the story of the Four Seasons. But in fact, it uses a lot of Four Seasons tunes. That's where the the definition gets kind of wonky with purists in the Broadway world. But it's still a kind of a jukebox musical review type thing. Is jukebox musical purist? Uh, yeah, there's, there's some Broadway people that, that that say, you know, if it helps tell the story, that's not really jukebox musical. If it's just singing songs that have nothing to do with the story, then it is ju- jukebox musical. Okay, so I don't know. I don't get into all that because okay, it's all, you know, that, that's an important yeah. distinction. Yes. So jukebox yeah. musicals tell no story. Other musicals, uh, they, they, you know, they lead. It's the music part of, a, of the story. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. They use the, the songs to build the story. Okay, yeah. so it's like a soundtrack. Kinda. It's kind of, kind of like a soundtrack. Okay. Um, okay. More or less. More I can, less. All right. I can, yeah. I can, okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around. I don't go to too many. So like Mamma Mia okay. is a story built around a lot of Abitunes. You know, they may, mm-hmm. may not contribute to the story as much. You okay. Know? On Your Feet is Gloria Stefan. Beautiful is Carol Kane. So uh, uh, like, for instance, I played the beautiful musical and uh, the, car- the story of Carol Kane's life um, kind of follow, uh, the songs that are presented kind of uh, coincide with what was happening in her life at that time. And those would or would not be jukebox music. Some people would consider them jukebox. Some people would not. The purest would. <laughs> the purest okay. would not. The okay. purest would not. What would the purest consider a jukebox musical that we all know? Uh, Mamma Mia is probably Mama the biggest, Mia. yeah. Mamma Mia is probably the biggest one out there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah right, right now. Right. And they. Some people will say that's the one that led this type of jukebox musical, so to speak. You know, just song. The the songs came first, and then the story was crafted around around okay. yes yes okay and then when did uh, D- uh disney's on the record debut again uh, di- uh november 22nd 9 2004 2004, 2004. Oh, okay yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. all right cool but so for you listeners uh, after you got that uh, uh definition of jukebox musical uh there's a good chance that you know a lot of the music that's in the show even before you've even seen the show probably listening to it on the radio or, ever, or wherever else you might have heard it mostly on the radio at that time so we're talking about musicals like Moving Out, Good Vibrations, you know, Beach Boys, duh. Mm-hmm. Um, Beautiful, as I mentioned, Escape to Margaritaville, you know, who's that about? Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash's musical, American Idiot, which is the Green Day, Motown the musical, you know, just to name a few. So those okay. kind of shows, uh, theater shows, are what they refer to as jukebox type musicals or oh, musical okay. views in some respect. Yeah. Okay. You know, Disney's On the Record was one of those jukebox musicals or some would call it a musical review. I think the terms are almost synonymous. Okay, so what is the musical review? Musical review is almost like pretty much like it's the songs, and if there happens to be, there's usually not a story built in with it. So if it was like <laughs> straight out of Compton, a musical, this would... <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. All so right. if, you took that, if you took all the songs from that and tried to make a story out of it and try to make it work... <laughs> it made a cool movie. That's what I'm like. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, it would be yeah. a musical, right? Like, is there a straight out of Compton in the musical? They should be. If there's not <laughs> one... I think you should produce one. <laughs> Give me the money. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> it's that sad, soft interlude in the middle. Find them. 
fuck them and flee. <laughs> Just don't bite it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It brings a right. tear to my eye every time. It do, yeah. right? Yeah. So what you're saying is that there was no story to Disney's on the record. Well, I'll get, I'll get to that. Okay. I'll get okay. to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jumping so, ahead. Go ahead. Um, so anyway, so according to the original press notes that Disney released, or Disney theatrical released, Disney's on the record, and I quote, features classic songs from a variety of live action and animated Disney films and television series, Broadway musicals, and even Disneyland attractions. It's the story of a recording session that changes the lives of a young unknown who is about to get her brick break, a pop diva who is about to meet her match, and a matinee idol who is about to meet the new kid who could take his place. I have no idea what a matinee idol is. A matinee, matinee idol. idol. That's like a matinee purist, I'm, right? I'm thinking he's like the star of only shows that happen in the afternoon. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He, he's like a legend uh, in the afternoon series, but he's yeah. not quite... Primetime. Um, prime yeah, yeah, is that yeah. ready for primetime? This time. is like one of those stories where like there's the new person, but they have to beat the established person, like they're the understudy, that kind of, and then the established line. person scared of the new person taking over their right. So they they try to sabotage. Like, you remember them. that movie? Was it movie Soap? No, I can't remember if that was the one. Soap. No, there was some movie about a soap opera where they had the young actress taking over the diva actresses. I mean, oh, I know a you know, that was a yeah, long time ago. Kevin Klein was in. Yes, that. Kevin Klein was in it and everything. Yeah, I, I, I know. Somebody's probably yelling at their iPods saying, "Yeah, it's this." Okay. But that's what it is. So I'm going to expand on the story a little bit. Okay. And I'm going to quote a synopsis from the Dizzy Wiki. Um, And the reason why I'm doing Dizzy Wiki and not officially on the record's website, because I cannot find anything official from Disney about this. So they're off the record about all (laughs) of They are definitely there. They want to pretend it did not even exist. They pulled pulled a men in black on this one. (laughs) Yeah. It's redacted. You mean they pulled a song of the South? (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about on the record? (laughs) What are you talking about? What is on the record? I don't know what that is. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So this is what they say. They say, on the record, like most reviews, involves characters that express their personalities and emotions with the use of song rather than speech. Ah, okay. In this case, the characters tell the show's simple, hardly existent plot. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Damn. That's positive. Yeah, yeah. Wow. No story for the glory. Okay. Uh, uh, Through the selections of Disney music. The story is one of a... Here we go. The story is one of a love rectangle, not a triangle, rectangle. Rectangle. That's kind of kinky. Between four recording artists (laughs) recording a Disney compilation album. What could go go wrong, right? The Hmm. artists include, these are the four artists that are having the love rectangle. There's a a reigning pop diva named Diane. (laughs) Okay. The matinee idol, Julian. Okay. The fresh faces on the music scene, Kristen and Nick. So Kristen and Nick want to take the pop star and the matinee idol's jobs? Well, no, they're rising talent, and the older ones are scared that they're going to take their jobs because they're rising talent. Now, whether that's part of their motif to want to take over the established person's thing, that's uh, that, I don't know if that was even part of the story. Okay, no, no I'm just trying <laughs> yeah. to... I know yeah. they say it was not existent, but I'm just trying to yeah. put the rectangle in my mind. Cause yeah, but that's basically it. Yeah, so you okay. got the two older ones and the two, young, two established ones and two younger ones rising on the scene. Rise it up. So the continued story, it says, upon entering the studio, Kristen, and this is one of the new ones, okay. instantly develops a crush on teen heartthrob to be, to be, Nick, who is the other rising face. Oh, okay. so, so Kristen's a rising face. Yes. And, and what's his name? Nick. Nick. But Chris- Nick, he hired at her. Nick is a he's, Nick, he's higher up on the, right? On the no, hierarchy. He's, well, only because he's like a soon to be teen heartthrob. Right, so okay. she, she a nobody. Yes. And yes. he just, he got this, he's getting his name out. 
Yes. Okay. Gotcha. They're both right. kind of nobodies. Yeah. Now. Okay. Now, though Nick initially denies any attraction between him and, and, and Kristen, right? So he denies it initially. Okay. Meanwhile, Julian attempts to rekindle an apparent ex-relationship with Diane, who's the other established person. So that's ah. the two established people. Two established people are hooked up, Kristen, and then the two younger people, at least the female, wants to hook up. Okay, ah. so the, the female pop star, she doesn't want the other dude because he's a matinee dude, and she's a, she's high up there. I guess so, yeah, that must be it. Okay, yeah, all, right. Matinee, yeah. all right. But, um, you know, so uh, Nick, Julian tries to do this, but he's often interrupted by his unrequited love's flirtation with the younger talent. Which would be Kristen. Oh, so she wants to get with the young dude. I think the other way around. So Julian, the established guy, is trying to get with Kristen as well, even though he's trying to get with his ex. He wanted a boat. He tried to see who's available. Wait, wait one more time. <laughs> he want. No, I get it. Okay, as he's, he's starting old to kind of see where this show is going wrong. No, this sounds like Jerry Springer. I got it. It is like Jerry. Yeah. Okay, right. so he's trying to get with the other lady because she's still famous, so right. he can keep his fame going. But the other chick is younger and hotter, so he's just trying to weigh out his options. Right. Kind of. Let me read the whole thing and then uh, uh, in continuance, and then we'll see what happens. It's right, a lie. Right. Okay, so the other dude is, he's assed out at this point. The yeah. other young pop star <laughs> yeah. dude, he assed out. Yes. Okay. All right, so we got Diane and Julian, the older ones, and Christine and Nick, Kristen and Nick, the younger ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen instantly develops a crush on teen heartthrob Nick, although Nick initially denies any attraction between him and Kristen. Okay. okay. Meanwhile, Julian attempts to rekindle an apparent ex-relationship with Diane, but is often interrupted by his unrequited love's flirtation with the younger talent, which would be Kristen. So he flirts with Kristen. With so both, he yes. wants to get back with Diane while he's flirting with Kristen. Yeah, well, yes. And she's which flirting is, back with him? No, it's just not. That's what unrequited. Yeah, I just want to make right. sure. Yeah, all right. He, he's not, she's not reciprocating that attraction. Okay. Can I tell you, this is not quite Sam and Diane with Frazier and Lilith. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm liking it. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm as it. the show comes to an end, though, Diane comes back to Julian. So all the right. two older ones get back together. Okay. Uh, because, Wait, hold up. Let me fix my flow chart. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> work on that. <laughs> Check right. that off. Go ahead. So Diane goes back to Julian okay. because she remembers how precious their time together had once been. Ah. Nick, in turn, learns to embrace love and professes that he'll always be there for Kristen. All right. So, All right. okay. So they, that's the rectangle. That's the rectangle. That's not a rectangle. Wrecked him. Damn near killed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, you won't, won't be here. Wait. The rectangle means that the older pop star has to go after Nick. That makes the rectangle. Oh, he's right. Mm-hmm. That's like I don't yeah, know the, what shape yeah, that is. But that's like a C. Yeah, backwards. my flowchart is missing an arrow. Yes, it's, yes, it's a C. That's not a rectangle. Never mentioned. <laughs> that's why the story not solid. It did need somebody need to hook up on those two ends to make it a complete rectangle. Bingo. <laughs> That's why I'm the guru. That's there. right. Yeah, yeah, the circle. It's not a circle. No, it's right. not a not it's a circle. circle. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a circle of life. It's not a circle of love. Uh, it's just a C. But That's it. Yeah, what could go wrong with that story, right? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody gets asked out. That's what goes wrong. Yeah. She's supposed to be a cougar and go after Nick. Because Nick has no options. He only... Right. Yeah, okay. So that's the story, or supposed story, of On the Record, okay? The, the, the barely existent story. The barely existent, I, maybe even two paraline, parallel lines versus a rectangle story. I can see why, Type though. of thing. There's but, no um, dynamic. There's no challenge. Exactly. So anyway, Disney Theatrical was trying to find something that would showcase Disney's wide catalog of songs without the use of a movie screen to present them. They were feeling pretty confident after their successes with Beauty and the Beast, The Lion mm-hmm. King, Aida, at the time. 
Um, they, actually, they had an attempt before this. Their first attempt was a review called When You Wish, which didn't even make it beyond the workshop stage. That's a bad wish. Yeah. Hmm. In case you're wondering, the workshop stage is usually one of the early stages of a Broadway production's development. So uh, that's uh, the workshop stage is where they, you know, they work on the story, they do rewrites, they rewrite the music, they add music, they do the, all those things. It didn't even make it out of that stage. And this is way before even sees a stage. Uh, itself before even putting the lightning so early in the in the thing when you wish failed so they were they wanted to disney theatrical wanted something else and they created this show on the record which was set to tour immediately uh, which means it didn't even spend life in one's place to even get settled well don't forget about that other musical that didn't work out for them disney turn off the dark Is that where Tarzan kept trying to swing and he kept falling and the harnesses weren't great? You know, people (laughs) injured in the performance. Yes, it was awful. That's usually called nobody paid the light bill. What a soundtrack. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, guys, to show you the extremely wide scope from which they pulled the Dizzy songs from, here's, uh, I'll kind of give a rundown of the list of music that they had. Okay. Really quick, before you do that, just so I understand. Yes. Okay. So the list that you're about to say, they made these songs first. Right, yes, that is correct. And then, based on the song, this is going to describe the emotional relationship between yeah. the characters. Right, yeah, the triangle, the love, the love rectangle. Sorry, Rec- it ain't no rectangle, rectangle. Yeah. not a rectangle. It's Rhombus. a C. It's, 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 it's a C. Yeah, it's a C. A, yeah, it's a C. I'm not a geometry student, but that is not a rectangle. Okay. Yeah. So all these songs exist, and Dizzy Theatrical wanted something that showcases their entire catalog up to this point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, listeners, if you listen to it, they combined and they made medleys of this song. So, like, where you thought the song would continue, it would end and start in a different totally. I'll, I'll have to play one for you so you can give a listen. Okay, okay. so, like, start with one song yes, and then Yeah, they had a whole transition. bunch of it, and okay. eventually it moves the story, or supposed to move the story. But anyway, I'll, I'll just kind of run through this. Okay. okay. One of the medleys they have is, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I Won't Say I'm In Love, and Let's Get Together and Bell. Can You Feel the Bell Tonight? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> pretty much. Ring the bell. And, All right. And then they combine Someday My Prince Will Come in Once Upon a Dream, which is not so bad. Okay. So that's got to be the, the young chick singing that Someday one. Someday My Prince Will Come in My Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but it on the face naked chest, yeah. right? And then they had the Walrus and the Carpenter and I Want to Be Like You together. The Walrus and the Carpenter. That? Oh, that's from... Uh, that's oh, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland, yeah. What the hell oh, could yeah. that possibly... Here, I'll play a little bit of it just so... What the hell story could they possibly? I'm the king of the swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. This is the I old guy. This got to be him, his thing. Yeah, you see, you get the idea. <laughs> it's a lot of that. I mean, outside of one song referencing kings and then going into the king of the jungle, mm-hmm. I don't see what these two songs have to do with one another. The right. guy must be bragging on himself. This has to be the older dude. The yeah, most maybe, is that what maybe. you're thinking? Huh? So you're thinking that maybe the first guy is singing and they're like, I am uh, the Walrus and the Carpenter is the first guy singing, talking about how great he is. And then the second song is the young guy, like, you know, trying to take over. Uh, well, or vice versa, or, what? or maybe yeah. I maybe vice no, versa. okay. And I, I have like, not, I'm already the king. Or something. I have not seen. Yeah, I haven't seen this. So, but I would nobody's say nobody's seen. Nobody. This. Oh yeah, that's right. We <laughs> off the record. Nobody's seen it. Anybody different. that saw this Disney's rounding them up. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the record because it's off the wall. They did the little memory thingy for Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> you do the not show never this. existed. 
Is that the original Broadway recording? This is the original playing? Broadway cast recording. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. Was it on Broadway? That's a good question. It never was. This was all, only on tour. It started out on tour. It didn't even make it to Broadway. Was that the back wow. of a bar or something? Yeah, like yeah. After, after, after nine months, it closed. <laughs> it, it, it played a lot of uh, pretty big theaters in and around the country, but after like nine months, it, it just they shuttered it. Yeah, because yeah. there was no rectangle. Where did it open? It opened in Cleveland, Ohio. As a matter of fact, Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadway hotspot. They were bad because LeBron left. That's what happened. But anyway, so some of the other songs that they had, some melodies they had, they had um, Belle Note and Le Poisson. They had another one. They had Everyone Wants to Be a Cat, the Siamese Cat song, and the Tiki 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 Room. Okay. Mashed together. What does that have to do with one another? I don't. You want to listen to it real quick? Yeah. Yeah, I would like to listen to that real quick. It's very Broadway. Sounds like The Incredibles. <laughs> yeah. So now they're dancing and I'm assuming so. Yeah, they're doing jazz or- hands and everything. Birds who tried to sing is still a cat's the only cat who knows how to swing Cause a bird between two furry friends may be old hat But everybody wants to be a cat We are Siamese if you please That's wrong I have no idea See that would have worked if he was going after the older baby too Funny birds who tried to sing <laughs> that doesn't match. Not at all. I have no idea what would be going on at this point. Unless he's saying a bird is Maybe, stalking, yeah. is being stalked by the cat. Maybe so, yeah. It's like a relationship game. I would... <sighs> so, that, so that's that one, but here's the one that kills me too. Can I just say yeah, one thing? Ahead. Okay, so my guess is, is this is the younger guy, and the younger guy, like you said, he the, uh, he doesn't know if he likes the younger chick, but maybe part of him is like, I want to be like this smooth guy, and I just can't do it. That's what I would, I would have to guess. Like I'm going with the stalking. Go with stalking. Uh, yes, I'm going stalking. It could be the flirtatious thing with the, you know, the big, the older guy and the younger girl the use of the we are siamese if you please the, those cats yeah. and in the middle of all this it's almost like a three in one yeah song it is yeah and, and then you get to the tiki song, room yeah. so now there's the bird you true. get the idea of the cat, cat. so they maybe they're trying to stalk the bird mm-hmm. and the, you got another cat and uh, uh, i see what you're saying it could yeah. be the older dude he's at he's after the two chicks Hits the Siamese cats. A predator if you yeah. will okay <laughs> that makes sense too well here's another medley they jam together they did Higginous Figginous, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, High Diddly D, Follow the Leader, and Zippity Doodah. That's a lot. <laughs> okay, so I get <laughs> that's a yeah, lot. I get all that, but my God, do they? Ha- uh, is that their goal to squeeze in every damn song that Disney ever made? They wanted something that hit everything that Disney's ever done that was popular in their catalog. Ever. My God, that was it. That's what they were trying to do, and you can tell by the songs I'm rattling off. And there's a lot more. This is not even all of them. Okay, um, there's a lot more. They go into like Hunchback of Notre Dame, something there, Beauty and the Beast, Changing Me, all kind of stuff. But yeah, they just put all these things together, okay, and tried to put a story behind it to make it work. They squeeze is, in everything. They, my God, yeah. I mean, name a song. Name a song you think might not be. May, may not oh be. God, okay. Uh, Trust in me. Trust in uh, me is in there. Get out of here. Yep, it's uh, okay. Resort. What else? Uh, <laughs> they got baby mine. Once upon a dream. 
They got Once Upon a Dream. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, that's, straight right, right. that's straight up, though. That's Hold straight up. Uh, Someday My Prince Will Come. Yes, Someday Your Prince Will Come. And you said that was they it. Did, they and they, yeah, they jammed it with Once Upon a Dream. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Um, <sighs> Baroque Hold Down. Baroque, no, Baroque. that's from the... Well, they said the part. They said Parks the parts. I do not see Baroque Down. So the Hercules song. No, Hercules knows about that song. Hercules might be too early for this. Zero to Hero? You said 2004, huh? 2004, yeah. Okay. When they did it, so... Let me see. Zero, not pink elephants. Look out for Mr. Stork. Cause of the wind. They got, I got, let's go fly a kite. They got strangers in me. Strangers in me. So they take you like the popular old school, old school song. Yeah, I think so. Bells okay. of Notre Dame. They got that. Notre Dame. Feed the birds. They do not have feed the birds. Ah. Which is crazy. You'd think they would, but I guess they couldn't work in sewer. They have a Bernie Sassy spoonful of sugar and it's a small world together. Okay. They have the Mickey Mouse March, Corolla Hathies March, Corolla DeVille, Spoonful of Sugar, Winnie the Pooh, I've Got No Strings, uh, as like one of their exit tunes. That's, that's an exit tune, so that's forgivable. You said Pink Elephants on Parade? Pink Elephants on Parade. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's right there. Uh, when I see an elephant fly, he's a tramp. Um, let's see. Look out, Mr. Stork. I think I said that one. Um, Baby Mine is in there. Okay. Yeah, I said that. Okay. Out there. Uh, from uh, Hunchback, will I ever see the sunshine again? The Pocahontas song. Which one? Oh, um, uh, what's well, we did what? what Colors was of the Wind. Well, yeah. Uh, oh, Colors of the Wind's there. Reflections in there as well. Okay. Uh, Part of your world under the sea. You can Sex fly, the right? Peter you can Pan? fly. Yep, it's in there, right oh, there. Come on, all all the the all the so you see what they were trying to do? Oodalali, Oodalali from Robin Hood. I don't see Oodalali. <laughs> I don't. I don't see that. <laughs> nice, but that could have fit with the Higgins Figures Baby Hood. Little giant under two. Oh, oh yeah. come on, yeah. that would have been great. That would have been awesome. But yeah, so that's this. The, I read that off to give you all the scope of what they were trying to do with this musical. Mm. You know, insane. So anyway, to reiterate for the listeners, um, the, the production opened its tour on November 9th, two thousand four, at the Palace Theater in Cleveland, Ohio, and closed nine months later on July thirty first, two thousand five, at the Denver City for the Performing Arts Boyle Theater. Hmm. in denver colorado it was originally slated to run through september 4th but it was decided to close after having played to disappointing small audiences uh the production ultimately decided on this earlier closing date after having only been on the road for two months so they read the they saw the writing on the wall two months into their tour that's tough that's yeah. tough to hear because that's still a lot of effort to be put towards it is. a performing art and investment and everything so people didn't get their money return on investment for sure uh, a lot of it was saying that you know they appealed to a lot of Disney fans, but they didn't get just a regular walk-up customer uh, that would just go see and see Disney musicals. So that was uh, one of the reasons. Um, so just to let you know where they went, <laughs> they went to Cleveland, Ohio. They went to Richmond, Detroit, Eats, Lansing, Indianapolis, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Fort Myers. They skipped New Orleans. They went to San Antonio and Houston, and then Denver, where they ended. <laughs> so wow. that's why, yeah. So anyway, uh, just to quote the Dizzy Wiki again, they, had, they pull, were able to find and document some of the reviews that this show has gotten. And so uh, the, a lot of the views are currently buried in their annals of journalistic history to never be found other than this website. Uh, but it says, during its nine-month run, On the Record received mixed reviews. Regional theater reviewer Ann Miner commented in her review of the production that the gimmicks giving her the tw- new twists to the classic songs, including monkey imitations in the Jungle Book's Wanna Be Like You and glow-in-the-dark microphone chords in The Little Mermaid's Poor Unfortunate Souls, translated poorly to stage. Okay. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette writer Christopher Rawson felt as though the attempt to create a storyline was too forced 
and that the show should have taken a general review route by completely scrapping the plot. While Rawson described the production as unimpressive, he, among others, felt that the eight-member cast was talented. Eight people did this thing? Yeah, I guess yeah. Well, that's what did cast. it. That's yeah. what did it. You got to have a little razzmatazz in that. You got to have like more people doing the dancing and kicking their legs and stuff like, like that. Like old school Broadway kind of thing. Yeah, like a distraction. Because if it's only eight people, that's like you're going to get bored of them if you're the audience. Like I've seen uh, like small theater before, you know, and it's like, yeah, like I just saw that guy. Even if it's impressive that they do a different voice or a different character. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it maybe that maybe this I don't know what kind of story they wrote, but maybe it would warrant it more than eight. Did they wear costumes or something? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they they wore costumes and stuff. But. I mean to illustrate the different. Uh, oh, like the the songs. Probably they have to be not. quick change yeah. artists yeah, to do all right. the songs. Yeah. Three, three in a row. You're right. You're yeah, because right. the songs were supposed to mimic the characteristics of each perf- uh, each character. I guess. So like they were probably dressed as like recording studio artists. Yeah, yeah, okay. and they were expressing their feelings through you know. I want to be a cat. Yeah, I'm a pounce on your meow. <laughs> That's something that you would see in a high school play, like you know what I'm saying, like in a like a philectic society kind of thing. That's an awesome review of the show. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> on the record should be something you'd see in a high school play. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not. I mean I haven't seen it, so I'm not dogging. But just the way you're describing it, I would like I would think that they would have like they start the songs right. You're right. They can't change their costumes because they're singing the songs back to back. But if they did something where the guy gets in the record booth and they put the spotlight on him, and it's just him in the booth. And then like when he starts to sing the song, the lights pull back and then it's like some crazy. Oh, while he's singing, you see the rest of the scene kind of thing. Right. It's a crazy background. Band, so that way it would influence the strength of each person's singing talent. And yeah. then whoever's watching like, oh, wow, it's, you know, Pocahontas land and stuff, you know, yeah, it might have worked. I think I would have rather just go see Disney on Ice. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. Yep, yep. No, I would agree. Even in Marvel Universe Live, I would have yeah. done that too. Um, but out of all this, on the record, uh, there was a bit of good news. Um, speaking of the talented cast, one standout was Ashley Brown, who played Kristen. That was the young one, young, okay. up and coming. Okay. okay. Disney's on the record started Ashley Brown's long relationship with Disney Theatrical. Okay. After her stint with On the Record, she landed the role of Belle on September 20th, 2005 in the Broadway production of Beauty and the Beast. So she okay. went right to New York, even though her show didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but after her run as Belle was completed, she opened the Broadway production of Disney's Mary Poppins as Mary Poppins. Oh, wow. Oh, good, good for her. Yeah. So she is a face that you normally see when articles reference the Broadway production of Mary Poppins. Okay. That is Ashley Brown. So, yeah, there's definitely some good news to come out of all this. It, it brought Ashley Brown to the forefront. Can I ask a question? Sure. Ash- so- Ashley Brown, 2020 Disney uh, Legend Award winner. Bam. <laughs> Bam. Nice. Right next to Tom Holly. Yes. Uh, so, okay. So, the old, the, the actress that played the older woman, did she get any kind of roles? Um, nothing posted? to my knowledge, no. Bam. Nothing I'll worry. I mean, she might have got on because she was, a, 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 I guess she was an established Broadway person. Yeah, life imitates art. Like yeah. that's for real. Like so, she got pushed out the picture. Then the young kid came up and then like went well yeah. beyond. All right. Yeah. So that's basically on the record. And to sum it up, you know, even though Disney's on the record never rose to the level of success that Disney's Beauty and Beast or Disney's Lion King still enjoys, um, its cast recording album is still something that should be included in every Disney's fan library of Disney music. Uh, but you may be thinking, wait, I have all those songs. Uh, yes, but do you have them all squished together in one area? <laughs> 
<laughs> on one album for you to enjoy. Uh, well, okay, so this is the part where you gotta have to like you know late night tele infomercial kind of sell me on why I would need this. No, I'm not gonna. Sell <laughs> Do you like music? Do you like Disney songs all mashed together? Well, I got the tune for you. I, I ain't got nothing to sell you on that one. You, you better you Tony to, Little me right now, buddy. Is that Disney music, buying. man? Yeah, <laughs> if you want to hear all mashups of your favorite Disney songs, go for it. But yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it was interesting to learn about this. Can musical. I ask you this question? Sure. Can I can I hear these performances on Mad Hatter Radio? Ooh, you can absolutely oh, yes. Well, yeah, oh, then. you will. Yes, yes. I, I'm I'm happy with that. Yes, that's that, a, that'd be fine. That's where you can enjoy it. You don't have to buy it. Enjoy on the record. That's a free ad right there. there Cut it is. that. And then there you go. We just gave them good promo. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly it. This episode of the Magic Our Way podcast brought to you by Mad Hatter Radio. Smooth D. Smooth. Nice. <laughs> well, cool, guys. Well, tell us, let you know if you actually saw the show, <laughs> you know, and if you did, we'd love to hear from you what you thought about it. But other than that, um, Disney's on the record. Let us know what you think. Well, guys, if you want to learn more about the Magic Our Way podcast, magicourway.com is the way to go. There you'll find our social media links, past episodes, and more. And we hope you enjoyed our discussion regarding Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, as well as Dizzy's On the Record. If you want to get in touch with us to share your views, you can do so through the following ways. You can shoot us an email at showupmagicourway.com. You can leave us a voicemail via our SpeakPipe widget or call or text us at 1-815-MOWEEKEN. That is 1-815-MOWEEKEN. Mo Weekend 669-4226 And of course, we got a couple guys to do things outside of the podcast First of all, we got Eli, those things with comics Eli, tell me what you got going on, sir Oh yeah, when I'm not dodging a flood of any sort I'm pretty much in the house doing my thing Which is drawing uh, You can find all that work on ivorycomics.com You can see the projects that I've done uh, Savages Almost done with that. Uh, good work. A lot of good work there. Jeremiah, fellow listener to the show, helped to create that. So support that. Uh, Project Geisha is out there. have a few issues of that. So fully colored, no ads. Of course, the only ad that is there is to this awesome podcast. And of course, the Molly Be Damned. If you like pirates and action and sea monsters, that's the one for you. Of course, there's a link to this podcast. So you never miss your spot when you're listening to this awesome show. Uh, so please... Bob Beach, check that out. And, and check out the special comic that Eli is going to release that meshes uh, Savages with Project Geisha and the Molly B. Damn. Damn, yes. Yes. Into one big comic story. Pirates fighting yes. geishas while. At a zoo. At a zoo. At a zoo. Yes. <laughs> it's called. Pri- it's not, no, it's not a zoo. It's, it's not, not a zoo. Not a zoo. Not a zoo. Matazuma. Hey. <laughs> there you go. It's going to be called Project Savages Be Damned. That's uh, a <laughs> new thing we got going there. Love it. Love it. Of course, um, you can find me on Facebook.com. So Eli H. Ivory, always looking to meet new people. As long as you're a real person, we know the story with that one. Project Geisha has a Facebook page. You go there, Facebook.com slash Project Geisha. Instagram, I'm up there posting up pictures and artwork and whatnot. So the name there is eivory504. And of course, as always, on Twitter, I can be found at Hancock10166. So yes, if you appreciate the madness, then you're bringing me the gladness. Thank you. And if you want to book a vacation so you can go see Rise of the Resistance, you can do so through Lee. Lee, tell me what you got going on. All right. Uh, just give me a call at 832-570-5490. That's 832-Higgitas-Bobbity-Boo-Fragilistic-Judah-Zibbity-Dee. <laughs> Damn, that's a long number. 
H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O-P. You can always email me at lee at magicourway.com. And please check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash travel. That's L-A-S-T-O-V-I-C-A travel. If you do all that, we'll get you hooked up and booked up with no Hasselvika. And if you want to support the show as a whole, you can do so through the following ways. You can buy some beignets, beignets and support the show that way. You can also represent the Moeca Nation wherever you go by purchasing some clothing from our shop. And the easiest way to support us is to leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you download the show, whether it's Stitcher, Blueberry, Google Play Music, etc. Finally, if you want to have a place in which you can freely speak your dizzy mind without fear of retribution, join us in the Moeca Pleasure Island 33 Facebook group. There you will have the chance to interact with all of the famous Moecans, as well as Danny, Eli, Lee, and yours truly. Also remember that we are part of the BS Podcast Network, whose motto is we speak our minds so you don't have to, so be sure to support our partners in podcasting over there. And guys, we thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us and making us a part of your Disney fan life. We appreciate you and love hearing from our listeners. All opinions are welcome on the Magic Hour podcast, so get in touch with us today. So, my weekends, ladies and gentlemen, we say Quaharini. My name is Kevin. I'm Danny. Magic out. I have every intention of eating those bananas for breakfast, but I still somehow end up with tacos. Barbecue beard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Barbecue beard. Barbecue beard. Sounds like a pirate. <laughs> Quarter face. <laughs> <laughs> Quarter face. You don't uh, want to sell them seas, maybe them be the seas of barbecue beard. <laughs> hey, folks. This is Lee from the Magic Our Way podcast. And while I'm booking all those magical Disney vacations, I'm listening to Mad Hatter Radio. Oh, man. You had something else to add? I had a question, but it's it's just about the characters, not about the play. So, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, cool. That's it. All right. Okay, so all right, so who hooks up? This off. This is off the record. I don't know the full story, to be oh, honest. Oh, man, yeah, damn. I, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't. It, it was hard to find even the synopsis of what was going well, down. Well, it, it, I, I looked into it. I'm just playing around. I, I didn't understand it. So what happens is that Ross uh, ends up at Rachel. <laughs> And then Monica and Chandler, <laughs> Monica and Chandler, uh, they end up together. Phoebe and um, Matthew Blanc, I forgot. Joey. It's Joey. Hey, Joey. Joey. Yeah, it's like, Joey. Uh, I'm sorry. Nice. nice. Uh, Ross was going to get mad, but he stopped being mad. He get back with Rachel. Right. That's my favorite. I like yes, that. Yes. And then Brad Pitt showed up. Yep. And stole um, Rachel. Yeah. A and little then, bit. And but then, then Angelina go. Jolie <laughs> that whole thing up. Yeah. Because Billy they, Bob Thornton. Like uh, left her. Yeah. See, that's a rectangle. And then they had a vial of blood and uh, that's an octagon. Eighteen <laughs> Angolian children. <laughs> so, and I got a house out of that. <laughs> that's a multi-point shape. <laughs> yeah, that's a completed shape. Yes. <laughs>